Hello there and welcome to Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK. It is the place where we roar at the latest and greatest cinema releases. I'm your host Ian Bolton and I am joined once again by, uh, by well, and I'm not joined because I'm joining him. I'm joining this very individual in his own house. <laughs> it is, of course, Christian Allen. Hello, Alan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep all this in because um, you're the first person to actually call me Alan. Like, hello, like, hello, Alan. Hello, Bolton. How's hello. it going? Bolton. It's Bolton and Alan, or Alan and Bolton. Alan and Bolton. Ab. Just like uh, I have, I've actually I've been developing a singular ab around my stomach. It's the same size as my stomach, but it's a big ab. Uh, okay. That's, the, that's what I'm telling myself to stop the tears. Um, as you know, the R in Christian R Alan stands for raw. <laughs> um, but this week, I doubt there'll be much roaring. You might be able to tell by my voice that yes. it's quite sore at the moment. I have my honey tea right next to me. Lovely. Lovely. So, yeah, for the benefit of the listeners, of course it is Christian. Christian, <laughs> Alan is here. Not he. I'm pretty certain he likes to be called Christian, not Alan. Not Alan, just Alan. Christian. And I'd rather be called Alan than Chris. I, 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 I get a few people trying to, like, crucify me. Oh, um, no. <laughs> not crucify me either. Um, and it's not that I'm being rude. It's just that no one in my life has ever called me Chris. So I'll have people going, Chris, 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 and I'll just blank them because that's not my name. Oh, no. I mean, I, I've, I've had it with, with work and, and various... Is uh, it when they call you Ian, but you know they've only used one eye? It's where they place the eye. When you tell them it's, <laughs> well, when you tell them it's two eyes and you... And, they just take a stab, a wild stab in the dark where the second eye goes. You can either go at the very end, it can go right next to the what, first like eye. Iani. So yeah, it's like Iani. Iani or, or Ian. Uh, yeah. Like, or, yeah. Or, for mo- or some emails, Lane. Despite, Lane. despite the fact I, I... Lane. Yeah, despite the fact I will clearly, I will clearly make it clear. I mean, you do, maybe it's they're, you're getting, they're getting confused with your address because you live on Ian Lane, don't you? Yes. In, in in the village of Ian. In Ian Common. Ian Common in Count Ianshire. In, in Ianshire. Ianshire. <laughs> Ianshire. Postcode <laughs> is a I that no, one A one N. Oh no. Six six six. But yes, welcome back to the show, Christian. How are you doing generally, other than obviously your your oh, your, it's, your it's, nasty throat at the moment? It's fine, it's fine. It's it's definitely not COVID because I am tested regularly, thankfully. It's um working I I work in, in a school at the moment, as, as you know, and um <laughs> on Wednesday uh uh, I obviously I can't name names, but a child in my class went right up to me as close as humanly possible, and I didn't get get the chance to put my mask back on, and she just went, um, "Mr. Allen, I've got a bad throat. Can I go down to the office, please?" And I was just like, and I breathed in at that moment, and my brain just went, "No." <laughs> it was at this moment I knew I had fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I've, I've had it. It's, it's quite amusing. I've, I've never, um, I've, I've spoken to a few of the, um, their classmates the last couple of days, and a few of them have been like, "Hello, Mister Allen," <laughs> and it's just very strange seeing a, a nine-year-old talk that way, like they're possessed by. It's, it's just like out of The Exorcist. Or it's like, or if you get this sort of in between, like normal voice and 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 croaky voice, you get someone from EastEnders. You are right, love? You are right, all right, Danny Dyer. All right, you are right. We're, hey, going, we're going down to the Quivit. I will on. say about Danny Dyer, he's flipping royalty, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, random tangent. I it's <laughs> every time it's like, I don't know why, but every time the wall appears 
on BBC, my family and I are just compelled to watch it. Which wall? Because I'm, I'm a prog rock kind of guy, so I'm getting well, Pink this Floyd is, this vibes. Well, this is the giant pachinko machine. Pachinko? Oh, that one. Yes. That, well, yeah, yeah. So it's like, grab grab your balls, grab your balls. I put them into, where do you want to drop the balls? Zone one, zone two, <laughs> zone three. And basically, it's where you've got two contestants. One has to go into isolation, answer questions, and based on whether or not they get questions right, they yeah. get a number of... Uh, uh, droppable balls to kind of <laughs> gain money. But they, the way they just build it up, they build it up to a degree. They're building up their big balls. They're, yeah, they're building up their big balls, but they're also building up like like dramatic stories. I mean, it was like, oh, we, it was like we're brothers and we and we, 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 just, want to, we that, just want to get enough money to help the family. And that's is, just, that's classic padding. And I yeah. don't know if that's a consequence of like, um, it's certainly since um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you can't watch a banal quiz show without... What year did King William conquer England? Was it 1066? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they go, what, what's your answer? I think it's 1066. Why do you think that? And they, they, they wait. They drag out a minute of pointless mm. exposition from these people who are just clearly, just give me the 50 quid. It's like, it's, it's a trait that I think I may have inherited into Christmas. In Christmas. Well, your Christmas is are four hours long. I... I, I I'm they're not going to lie. About, that f- they, are, they are getting better. They're about two and a half hours now. The first time I did one for you, I, confession, hadn't watched one <laughs> up to the point. I thought, okay, only take an hour or two. It got to like three o'clock in the morning and I was dying. I, we have not gone that late. <laughs> I mean, I, I was in a different time zone. Oh, I yes. mean, my own personal time zone because ah, okay. I was quite sleep depraved, obviously. Oh, okay. But um, no, it was, yeah, yeah um, I, I'm not meaning to criticise you as a producer. I know. I know. But I'm criti- criticising you as a producer. Oh, good. Like, good. You're the worst. And, and that's all we've got time for from Christian Allen. <laughs> yeah, the films are all right, aren't they? Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, the thing, yeah, the thing about Danny Dyer and the Wall is that it's, it's, such a t- it's such a touching story. It's like if, if, if he signed the contract, you go home with 12 grand. If, if she rips it up, you're going home with 60 grand. And then he's like, oh, it's so touching. It's so touching. Sorry, is this the walls? Yeah. This is Stenders. That's oh, a bit of both. A little bit of Colum A. <laughs> a little bit of Colum A. Wallenders. Wallender. Oh, that's a very different show, isn't it? Ah, but as this is a movie podcast. We should talk uh, about movies. We should talk about movies. You know, actually, I was going to ask you, has Danny Dyer actually started a movie? He started. You remember the, you remember the um, when he became like a, an initial big name through things like Human Traffic? It was like that, that yeah. yeah, and basically he was like popping up in like every two or three months he'd be popping up in like a British gangster crime film. Um, so he had films like Dead Man Running, which was him, Tamer Hassan, and 50 Cent. Oh, God. Oh, which I may or may not have on Blu-ray at home. <laughs> because I saw it in the cinema, I thought, it's all right. Of course, because of the exchange rate, whenever 50 Cent is the UK, we have to call them 72p. Because <laughs> um, yeah, there were some other films that Danny Dyer was in that, were, that weren't too bad. There was Severance, which was a horror film about a, a work a work um, team building weekend that turns horribly bloody. Like all team building exercises. Yeah. 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 yeah there, there are some very questionable ones out there. I think I remember seeing one called Doghouse where um, basically Danny Dyer and his macho blokey, blokey, blokey friends fight off. <laughs> Us basically. Fight off demon fied women. And oh. it's like, oh God, that was terrible. <laughs> I was like, that's not good at all. And, that, that, and yeah, so basically during that sort of mini period, every two or three months, you would have a Danny Dyer film. And I think the, the peak Danny Dyer uh, frustration from critics came when Mark Commode really, really hated Pimp. 
<laughs> so, so basically, there's there's a Danny Dyer film called Pimp, which did not do well at the box office. Okay. They made about eight hundred pounds in like a couple of screens across London, and yeah, it's like any time Mark Kermode had to talk about Pimp, he would he would just do it's Danny Dyer in Pimp <laughs> in like a high pitched voice. Was that his only? Was that his strategy? Strategy for keeping sane by watching Possibly. these movies? But then also, Mark Amato has banged his head against the wall when trying to review Transformers movies. Yeah, it's the only way to enjoy a Transformers movie, unless you're Anthony Hopkins, who's just Isn't clearly having a whale of a time. It's like I'm in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> I think he generally loved being in that film. To yeah. be honest, he, he, he generally was the only good thing about there, it. There are some. There are some. There are some interesting Anthony Hopkins roles that pop up in that sort of period of his of his life. I mean, even um like when he did Bad Company with Chris Rock, which was like an action thriller, I think, directed by Joel Schumacher under... You know, like, that film, Joel, I, might, I must have bleached my mind. Well, it's on Disney film Plus. Is, okay, so if it's can, on so Disney Plus, it must be good. You can experience it on Disney Plus. I have Plus. just, going through Disney Plus to find Nomadland, mm. I did discover there's a new high school musical series called High School Musical colon The Musical colon The, the, the Series. series. <laughs> and I, I, I've never seen a, a programme with the word musical in it twice. <laughs> The only thing is, it reminds me of like Star Wars, the Clone Wars. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh no. <laughs> it's like, wars, wars. I mean, you can, you can really get lost. It's, it's the common thing with all these streaming platforms. You can get lost in just going through thing after thing. And well, I in- remember, well, I was around a, 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 a mutual friends. Um, I won't name drop them because, because they don't want to be named, but yeah. I don't know why they'd find shame in this. But there's years and years ago before I'd picked up a Netflix subscription. I popped yeah. on theirs and they've got Netflix. And they're like, um, oh, let's put on such and such. And I think it was some red dwarf. Mm. And they looked to the right on their bookcase because they'd seen me look at their DVDs of red dwarf. Mm. And they're just like, yeah, it's easier than taking out the disc, isn't it? And getting off the couch. I'm just like, that's just pure, pure laziness. Like, come on, you'll burn at least three calories mm. if you I, put that I, disc in. I think if I have the disc to hand, I'll always go for the disc. Yeah, because you're getting optimal quality, aren't you? Yeah. You don't have to deal with the streaming nonsense. Yeah. If it's, say, in a box in the garage, which I don't know where, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I'll take the hit. Anyway, let's move on to our main review of the episode, which, of course, is Nomadland, this year's winner of Best Picture at the Oscars. Um, we briefly talked about this film um, in a previous episode when we talked about Mitchells versus the Machines, but this is the time to properly talk about it and review it. So, uh, without further ado, let's have a clip. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am, I know. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. Welcome to Badlands Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's gonna come right through the class. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. 
Directed by Chloe Zhao, who also won uh, Oscars for Best Director. Uh, the film tells of a woman in her 60s who goes on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad after losing everything in the Great Recession. So a very a very simple plot line here. Um, but there's, there's quite a lot of... <laughs> I think we were talking about this starting uh, when we were talking about this with Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, yes. We were watching some of it and it's like there are, there were bits that we were kind of getting into, but then there were certain bits that we weren't necessarily gelling with. Mm. Um, and having now watched the full film, um, there is some layers of obviously human depth here because obviously Frances McDormand, who won Best Actress at the Oscars as well, yep. um, plays this very um, obviously a bereaved woman trying to find her own way post post recession post losing her husband uh post retirement losing her entire community uh, yeah, lo- losing everything really mm. um and it's kind of like finding finding a, some solace in traveling across the country as a mm. as this nomad um so yeah there's some there's some really there's some real depth to it um and the visuals as well i think the film looks stunning mm. There's, there's always, there's always. You're never too far away from a lovely sweeping shot, just following McDormand through America at some point, whether she's walking through a forest or just like the outdoor, the wilderness, and that sort of stuff. It's quite nice. Mm. Um, I think this is the thing, and we were talking about this uh, before we started recording, and and you said that winning Best Picture was probably the worst thing that could possibly happen to this film. Yeah, um, my expectations for this film were so high. Um, mm. Because of the acclaim and the accolades, yeah, because it was getting um, it was getting five star reviews left, right, and centre. Yeah, and which I've, like I've, I've left me a tad bewildered, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> if you were to list every single winner of the best picture uh, Oscar, I mean, I mean let's, let's start by saying yes, the Oscars aren't the most important thing in mm. the world when it yes. comes to film. However. Let's face it. If you're working in the industry, you want an Oscar. Yeah, that's it's, that's. Don't tell me that's not true. I I, I won't believe you. Mm. You know, <laughs> unless it's Terry Gilliam, then probably or some <laughs> you know one of those types, um, because you know they're Terry Gilliam. Um, so everyone really wants to win an Oscar. However, not. Let's face it. Most of the best picture winners have been the wrong film, and I think hindsight is always an advantage when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, I mean, I will, I will never understand how Shakespeare in Love <laughs> beat Saving I, Private I, Ryan. Unfortunately, with Shakespeare in Love, it was more of a it was politics. It, it was the political campaign. Yeah, it was Harvey Weinstein. It, it, yeah, it was Weinstein just trying to shove the film down everyone's throat what, and, and, and and paying for, and technically to a degree by buying the Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, he did. He, um, he also spent months telling people that Saving Private Ryan is just the first ten minutes. The rest of the movie is mediocre, mm. which is objectively yeah. nonsense. But um, <laughs> anyway, there, there are examples of that throughout, and and some. Sometimes it's it's it comes across as being very a very political club. Would you say that's been the case with the last couple of Oscars? I don't think no. it has been. I actually, oddly enough, the last couple of the last quite a few wins in recent time have actually been like, yeah, I agree, or mm. yeah, or or it's very tough. Well, you don't get that. You don't get that sense of you don't get that sense of incessive campaigning. I think obviously since mm. the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal completely yeah. kicked off, obviously that's kick that right in the in in the bud immediately yeah. because obviously he was pretty much the um the the prime the prime suspect of 
always doing that every time yeah, an Oscars and, came and, around. And I don't think he's, he wasn't the first. I don't think he'll be the last, but obviously no. he became the most known. I mean, yeah, this, I mean, going even further back, I mean, I still can't understand how <laughs> um, my fair la- lady beat um, um, Mary Poppins. Uh, except for the fact that it was clearly that they didn't want to give Walt Disney the best picture Oscar because that's what he wanted. Mm. Um, (laughs) So that that you can go through the Oscars and you can find things like this to complain about. Uh, You know, The Dark Knight not getting nominated for best picture, even though it was the most critically acclaimed movie of that year by far. Mm. Um, There's plenty, plenty of examples. Then again, sometimes the Oscars get it right. I mean, I'm amazed that Return of the King won best picture Mm. because it's a fantasy movie. The fact that it swept up eleven, and rightly so, like it was like okay, they got it right this year. Um, but with with Nomadland, and so the p- point I was going to just before I went on this little tangent was, if you were to list every single movie that's won Best Picture, I don't think this film would feature in the top half in terms of like either quality or popularity. Mm. I don't think this is a film that's going to stick around in the cultural zeitgeist. Mm. Um, it's just but I look at the other films that are nominated and um, a confession, I haven't had the chance to watch uh, about half of them. Nor have I. And I think uh, just, we, we, were talk, yeah. we were talking about this last time. Yes, we, we because of the almost. realities of COVID and whatnot. The ones I have seen, I rate similar to Nomadland. I, there's nothing I mean, really I mean, has stood gave, out to me. I mean, we gave Trial of Chicago seven four stars last year. Yeah, but I think about it, the more I think about it, the less... But the fact enthusiastic is, for I, I actually am, and I think, and I think this is probably going to be my my overall view of Nomadland. It's like I'm I'm happy that I've watched this film. Mm. I I've, I'm appreciative of the talents and of the craft on the show. I think, yeah. like I said, no, I, no, think, I completely agree. I think the film is beautiful. I think Dormant is terrific. I love the very natural. Uh, approach to obviously mm. well, uh, it's, it's a in, pseudo documentary yeah, yeah which makes sense because it's based on a work of non-fiction mm. and, it's, and you can kind of tell there's a documentarian element to the story well it's like but, uh, it's like other than mcdorman and and david strafern who appears as as potential new life friend but, uh, yeah um everyone else to a degree comes across as just being a real person mm. which i think is a really i think really solidifies nomadland's positives in a way because then it just has that sort of nat- has that natural yeah. rustic sort of feel to it and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel no doesn't not at all. feel and it's, it's, it's frustrating that we're having this conversation because i think this is a fine movie mm. and i want i want our listeners to appreciate that and we'll, we'll go into the positive shortly but this just this isn't a best picture academy award winning movie but it's won the best picture at the academy awards mm. and i cannot for the life of me work out why mm. i mean even even some of the more bizarre wins the last couple of decades like like crash it was still it was still it was still a good film i know it's yeah. i know it's, it has its detractors but it's i think it I, it's, again, it's like sometimes i think sometimes when especially when you you deal with with topics like race equality and all that sort of stuff mm. there are when notable films get it for and people people even like um, diehard film fans and stuff like that kind of can look and say, well, that's not really an accurate representation of what. Yeah. It's again, I know, I know there was, there's the, the, the big uh, uproar about Green Book a couple of years back as well. Because yes. again, it's like we, we watched Green Book. We, I thought it was an excellent movie. It's, it's a really good film. 
but I can understand why some people might find the fact that a film that deals with race relations produced and directed by white men... It's, is, the, it's, it, the, it's the optics of beating yeah, the Spike consider it, Considering Lee King, movie. Uh, yeah. uh, Black Klansman, which was also a film about race, and, all of that, and it, just, it just Produced feels, by African-Americans, yeah. yeah. Even though, it, especially with that particular... I mean, with that particular argument, my attitude is the best film should win Best Picture... And I think out of those two films, Green Book was a better film. Um, that's just that was just my instincts from it. Are my opinions biased by my you know my experiences as a white person? Very well, possibly. But I just found it a more compelling piece of cinema, and I actually found the racism de- depicted in Green Book more disturbing than in Black Klansman, because Black Klansman, although obviously the Klan is real and all those stories are mm. real, it's so ridiculous and over the top the actions of those despicable characters that they become almost cartoonish while the racism depicted in green book is the everyday kind of racism the little little things that build up over and over and over again the things that people miss because they become so ubiquitous and i think those are the more dangerous forms of racism because they're the ones that are missed Mm. um and i thought green book did a far better job of depicting that kind of um experience um, but again, if you go through the the behind the scenes um, perspective, I, it's it's awkward and frustrating, yeah. and it it, it it means it means we can't celebrate a great mo- great movie <laughs> because it always have this cloud. It's similar to I mean, it's not it's similar to like films like Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is one of the best movies ever made. Mm. It's always going to have its detractors because it beat Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I mean, if you're being honest, they're I, both kind of equal in terms of their quality as movies. They're like, very different. It's like I can I can imagine I can imagine, for example, I can imagine, uh, say back when Hurt Locker won Best Picture and Catherine Bigelow won uh, Best Director, mm. and that was the same year Avatar was out and was up against it. Oh, in, in, Hurt Locker totally deserved to in, win in, that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine I I could imagine a similar thing if, if Avatar, Avatar had won. won it. Well, that was the general consensus my, my recollection yeah. tells me that people were expecting avatar just to take everything it didn't really it didn't really help that with um <laughs> i remember i actually remember watching that that oscars live mm. on sky and i think they had some of like the the sky critics i think like what one like mark dolan who said no it's like avatar deserves to win because it's a film of a generation it's like no no it's not it really it's pocahontas isn't. in space it is i mean it, the special <laughs> effects were incredible but yes yeah. and it won awards for that which is absolutely fine yeah, absolutely but uh, you know i can name you 10 other movies that have come out in the last hundred years that pioneered special effects and didn't win best picture mm. i mean like where's 2001 space odyssey <laughs> that didn't win it was nominated but it didn't win yeah this is like it's just uh. anyway tracking it back to nomad nomadland i think yeah my, so my, my basic point is like this this isn't this is nowhere near that kind of quality movie mm. um and it's going to mean people are going to go watch this movie because it won best picture and their mm. expectations are going to be far too high mm. if this had been nominated or had done well at you know a, a, a sort of like a, an indie festival i think that's yeah that would have been more beneficial to it but you know i can't if you're chloe zhao you've won you've won two oscars so i mean like you mm. know you're not going to be complaining are you I mean, no. that's an incredible. It's an incredible achievement, regardless. Yeah, I mean, she's the first first woman of color, I believe, to have won a yep. director, first Asian, um, yeah, female absolutely. Asian to win an Academy Award mm-hmm. um, for best director. I think I think one positive I 
Uh, and I don't want to make this sound really, really daft and, and kind of disrespectful, I guess, to indie film fans and stuff like that. But yeah. the fact is the fact, seeing Nomadland and seeing how Zhao's approached like a visual style and, and editing style makes me more interested in Turtles when that comes out in November. I did like the little, there was a little Avengers cameo in this. I don't know if that was a... Oh, yes, I saw, I, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> little tiny yeah. little Easter egg. I yeah. thought that was funny. Yeah, McDormand just sort of wandering through an empty... Oh, I mean, let's, should we talk about the positives? Because Yeah, let's, it's, it's like, like I say, I think McDormand is... Mm. Wonderful. I think yeah. it's like. Well, I, I can't think of a bad performance she's ever given, and she again, she totally. I think from the performances I've seen this year, I think she totally deserved the Best Actress mm-hmm. Academy Award. Um, she gave, it's a very understated performance, similar to like a most iconic role in Fargo. She, yeah. she, she, it's, she knows it's when o- to pull it's a, back. It's her third Oscar win. So oh, was it her third? Yeah, oh, she wow. won. She won for three boards outside of. Three billboards outside yeah. Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. She is excellent in that movie, and I, I thoroughly recommend anyone. Anyone who liked this needs to watch that. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's an incredible film. Um, No, she she brings, I mean, the film is pinned around her performance. So this is very much, she she carries this film and her performance is very compelling and it's very, very, it's quite, it's subdued. It's, she, I mean, you are, you totally understand where this character is coming from and you've, there are moments where you're frustrated by the choices made. Um, but then I guess, I guess, I think when we were watching it originally, the first part originally, obviously we were kind of getting a little bit frustrated with the choices she was making. But I think that the latter half of the film does make it a, a more abundantly clear of how, mm. how, yes, how, I, what's, the, what's the word, how, how much of a struggle she's currently going through internally because, yeah. because it's, an, it's a very, it's a very stark contrast from what we see how she interacts with a lot of people in the film. She interacts, she's a very friendly people person. She gets on with all these different strangers from job to job and all that sort of stuff. But it's a facade, isn't it? But yeah, but when it comes to possibly the one good thing she has in the film, it's quite a contrast because when it comes to potentially a better life, a better future with, with the friendship she has with Dave, played by David Strathern, it's kind of like, it's a life that, she's not ready to kind of embrace or accept mm. or kind of move on because she's still grieving and she's still... I mean, there's there's definitely, there's definitely fear there and Mm. it's kind of going into spoiler territory. So you might want to skip a moment or two, but Mm. you you know, there's no way this relationship is going to develop into the way Dave's character is, wants this relationship to develop and it is tragic. It's quite heartbreaking and um, It's it's very bittersweet. It's very bittersweet. Um, but it makes total sense from a character point of view. I mean, yeah, this is a character who has lost everything. Um, and it's interesting because it, I'm not sure the film is saying these people have abandoned society or if society has abandoned them. It feels like maybe both. Well, Because I do find the van dwelling community quite, I mean, a quite interesting subject because I, I had no idea this was a, a thing, to be honest. I think it, I think it may vary from person to person living that sort of lifestyle mm. i think in the in the in the in terms of francis mcdormand's character later on in the film obviously oh, no later on in the film she goes to visit her sister mm. uh, after her van needs serious repairs and she doesn't have the money for it and we have the we have this understanding or we have this sort of we are we are made aware that fern played by francis mcdormand so fern has 
from at a young like at a young age, married young, moved far away from her family and relatives just to be with her husband in this rural town in America, and it's kind of so it's sense that she she loved you get a sense that the isolation is something that she is just so accustomed to, yeah, in a way, um, because if if she's willing to move. Found, uh, hundreds of miles across a country to just live just live a, 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 a normal life with someone that she only just met and stuff like that obviously there's I think there's there's some there's some internal struggles there yeah in a way and I, yeah absolutely and I, I think when you're rooting her rooting for her to make the quote-unquote right decisions I think that's just that's us projecting our own yeah. uh, experiences onto this character um, within the logic of the, within the framing of the film, it makes total sense the way she behaves, and it's kind of almost naively foolish of the people around her to expect her to be anything other than who she is. Mm. Um, and you know, it's interesting that those those tensions they're explored, but they're not drawn out to the point where it becomes comical. Um, it's, yeah. it, like the, the one, the best thing about this movie is the fact that it's quite understated. Yeah. Um, everything. It, you know, it allows you to sort of like um, sort of almost breathing the tension and the, the uh, character study. Again, I think it comes. Again, I think it comes from the very natural and realistic sort of approach the film yeah. has. I mean, it, it, the film is just as naturalistic and rugged and raw and as beautiful as the cinematography. Mm. I mean, which marries with the narrative perfectly. I mean, it, it's it's it, it is exactly what it should be. Um, again, I just, I, as, as I guess my problem is as a viewer, I found this more interesting than I did compelling. Okay. Um, and I appreciate, like I said, I appreciated the performances. I appreciated the story. It was really fascinating to learn about this world. Cause like, like I say, it, it does blend into, it, it, it's the most, it reminds me in a similar way of, um, um, Watson Bashir. The way this, this sort of like it bleeds between the documentary and the fictional narrative. Walks um, with Bashir is a very very good film. I saw it at the London Film Festival. Oh wow! It's like it's like it, when it had its UK UK premiere. It was yeah, and that, and that was the first time I think I was really taking a punt on watching different films. I think that, again during my first stint working in in cinema when it was like the uni years, the multiplex years. It's like I'm. It's like I was. <clears throat> it's like I was discovering a lot more films out there that weren't mainstream because up until probably the start of the point where I, where I worked in multiplex cinema I was just the mainstream sort of person I mean there's nothing wrong with that and, and, and one of the advantages of a film like Nomadland coming along and doing so well at the Academy Awards is that it hopefully it will open people's eyes to other forms of cinema because mm. cinema can be anything and everything and that's wonderful I mean like sometimes <laughs> sometimes you want to watch you know 1920s German expressionism. Other times you want to jump between like Michael Bay. I mean, <laughs> fodder. I, mean, I mean, like it's. Nothing. I mean, you knew full well last summer. I was doing a lot of Cary Grant <laughs> classics, <laughs> which meant as Ian's close confidant, I had to endure several evenings of Cary Grant impersonations just thrown my way. Audrey. Oh, I thought they'd. <laughs> Ian goes for cycles. There was a year. It was a year-long cycle where it was just Bane impersonations. Then, oh. and then it became Cary Grant. I'm Gary Grant. I mean, those both of those impersonations you did just sounded like Bane to me. I mean, like, 
with my sore throat, I could probably do a very good Bane. Hello, Kerry. How are you today? I'm doing awfully well, Bane. How are you? <laughs> my voice is hurting. Well, sucks to be you. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, it's um, I I can see, I can genuinely see the problem is like like we've alluded to beforehand, I can generally see there being a bit of a disconnect between the critical appraisal mm. and general audience expectation of this movie. I'm not sure if this is going to do that well with like the average film goer. Oh, it will be interesting to see how this performs mm. when it's at UK cinemas. It will be in UK cinemas when cinemas reopen on May 17th. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Oscar win didn't give it the interest. Yeah, like, okay. I, I can imagine. I can imagine there being uh, an active interest for those who don't want to watch it on Disney Plus right now, and they would like to see it as originally intended, which is perfectly fine. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, usually sometimes with with the award films, and especially in terms of the the uh, independent films, in a way, it's sometimes the way I always and, I, and I've said about it on on the show before. Sometimes the way I kind of look at when I give a rating out of five for a film is kind of. It's not just if I enjoy it, it's also, is it something that I'm prepared to rewatch down the road? Yeah. Ironically, a line from the film. <laughs> just see it down the road. Um, so with Nomadland, it's like, I think when we started off watching it, I was kind of leaning towards free. I am, I think the most I can generally give Nomadland, and, and this is based on how I've viewed the film and I've come out from the film, is about 3.5. And, and I will state this now, this is not to say Nomadland is a terrible movie or there are flaws in the film. I, I, think, I think the film is very, very accomplished. I think the film is well shot. I think the film is well acted. There, I know this film will probably find greater praise from audiences who are able to connect to it a lot more than I did. I, I'm in the same boat as you, to be honest. And it's, um like, like I said, I think this is an honourable movie. I think the, mm. the themes touched upon... I mean, beyond beyond the sort of the, the emotional ramifications of grief, of you know, of um, the terrible consequences of the Great Recession, how so mm. many of these working class Americans were just <laughs> effectively abandoned, yeah, and then they themselves and these people themselves find themselves abandoning society. I think it's a very important story to tell. The cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. One of the best looking movies I've seen in quite a while. I've, the performances are fantastic. I love the naturalistic approach. Direction's great. The editing is slick. The score is very good as well. There's some, yeah. of, the, some of the piano um, pieces throughout. Um, Especially the, um, the the piano work towards the end. That's by, um, I really liked. Ludovico, um, Ianard, and I can't, uh, two Italian. seconds, let me <laughs> scroll through all the extras. Ludovico Ianardi. I, I apologise if I haven't pronounced that correctly. But... Um, um, Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. <coughs> In fact, trying to pronounce Italian and set my coughing fit off again. Um, yeah, the, the the score was absolutely gorgeous. It's just, I think, it's probably it's, just not. It's a film. just not quite as compelling as I thought it would be, and I don't think I. I don't. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd stay. It, three stars feels too low. Four stars feels too high. So I think I'm kind of review three and a half, to be honest. Yeah, definitely recommend. Yeah, um, just maybe lower exp expectations. Yeah. I yeah, I think it's it's just worth saying to our listeners because we're giving it three and a half does not mean we think there are problems with this film. It's just we we've watched it, we've we've appreciated it. It's probably something we're not going to return to anytime soon. No, it's it, yeah, it's a film I'm glad exists. Yes, and I hope other people take make great find something else of it and mm. it just didn't really connect with me at all and 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 
considering the amount of the, the different types of films we have covered on film roll, I mean, we've we've covered pretty much a lot of mainstream stuff and and very kind of kind of I wouldn't say safe. It, it's like safe's a bit of a strange word. Um, basically, we've covered a lot of main- mainstream, yeah, popcorn flicks, yeah, yeah. We've we've covered a lot of mainstream popcorn flicks, um, but. I think if you are interested in Nomadland in the slightest, I would say give it a go and see how you fare with it. Um, and hopefully, who knows? This could be this could be a door opening to other other film genres, other films that you may not necessarily like, wanted to see in the first well, time. I, I hope that's the case because, like I say, like you should never. It's the same with my attitude towards music. Never limit yourself to one or two genres. Yeah. Or like, um, or, or, or be afraid of like a different language mm. or anything like that. It's, it's the best way about learning about people in the world is to watch film and I'm, watch as many different kinds of films as humanly possible. What would you say? What would you say was the film that kind of said to you, mainstream's not always. You don't always have to be mainstream. I mean, it's probably an obvious answer for people my age, but when I start when I started studying film when I was in my late teens, the film that came out was Amelie, mm. and um, I'd never watched a film like that before. Mm. I, d- I didn't realize you could there could be films like this before. My film was House of Flying Daggers. Oh, interesting. It's because like... because it came out, there was no English dub. It was with subtitles, and I and I just gave it a go, and I just. <laughs> and just, I, I, by fully just totally ra- it's the same I, I i used to walk into hmv and just pick up random films like uh, like my, the way i got into japanese cinema i would just pick up some, like akira this looks good mm. i'll grab it it's tenor mm. like and then have my little teenage mind blown by mm. <laughs> and and yeah just during my uni years i was kind of like just amassing like a lot of the tartan asia video extreme series as mm. well i was picking up so like battle, battle royale um trying to make other ones uh some really great korean films public enemy uh a bittersweet life a bittersweet life is terrific infernal affairs infernal affairs yep one two and three <laughs> i've only seen part one actually i'm like mm. um no i'm getting a bit of a tangent yeah here, but so i mean yeah there's many countries beyond our own that have a really beautiful rich cinematic history you don't even have to go that far i mean like france is 20 miles away yeah. you know like, and i and i like myself a good french cop thriller it's like no. I, I it's like i i have a soft spot for uh 36 and uh, the and, um, and the marine series as well they're, they're very similar to amelie in tone definitely mm. yeah whimsical <laughs> whimsical whimsical yeah. in the dark, um, in the harsh blue tones of it was similar actually um at the same time i watched lahane when i was 16 mm. and again i'd never seen anything like that before I've, I've, I've just picked up the bfi release on blu-ray mm. i can't wait is to that re-watch. the 4k release or it's a 4k master it's blu-ray though all right but um yeah i've seen bits and bobs and the jump in picture quality between this and the DVD from 20 years ago is insane. Mm. It's almost like, do you remember the brilliant jump between videotapes and DVD? Yeah. And just like back in like late 90s, early noughties, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much resolution. I don't know if my eyes could deal with this. Um, so, um, yeah, this, so, I, hopefully this, is a, this film is a gateway drug yeah. to the, uh, the world of independent cinema. Indeed. So, yeah, it's Nomadland, good film, really great elements to it probably just not one that will remain with us will remain in our sort of peripheral vision for a while and i think that's probably the same for, i i would be surprised that's not the case for general audiences as well to be honest but yeah. you know yeah so there you have it nomadland three and a half stars and if you've seen the film and want to share your thoughts do get in touch with us drop us a line over at filmraw at bunkerzilla.co.uk 
done and done. Right, so with Nomadland done and dusted, let's move on to the film recommendation from the guest reviewer. So, Christian, floor is yours. What are you recommending this episode? Uh, the best film I've watched this week um, is uh, Satoshi Kon's uh, 2001 anime, Millennium Actress. Ah. Um, which um, the reason I bring it up is um, our, a mutual friend of ours, a chap called Keith. Hello, Keith, if you're listening. Hello, Keith. Um, he... <laughs> He's totally biased, obviously. He works for an, uh, a company called Anime Limited who release anime on Blu-ray and the DVDs and the videotapes and the like and the Betamaxes. And um, he recommended this because they were releasing it in 4K and he said it was one of his favourite films. Um, I watched it and I... <laughs> so this is what happens. Every time I watch a, a Satoshi Kon film and um, a, um, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the... Um, the uh, the filmmaker, he tragically died quite young. I believe he was in his early 40s. He died around about six, seven think, years ago. I think it was like a year after possibly Inception Year or two. Because I remember, because I actually wrote, an, I think I contributed to an article. Mm. Uh, oh, he wrote, no, he died in 2010, 11 years ago. Yeah, so I, I remember um, I remember contributing to an article uh, reflecting on on his influences as, as, a, as a filmmaker. And it's kind of yeah. like it's... Well, I, I mean, it's it, Incep- it, without, without, without Satoshi Kon, there would be no Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. And the in- Inception wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Ba- basically, without Perfect Blue, you don't have Black Swan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, the fact that, like, going back to Millennium Actress, Black Swan, um, a lot of Aronofsky's films, they seem to, like, they they homage uh, Kon's work, um, even... even like recreating frames from Perfect Blue. Mm. Uh, Millennium Actress is a film about a love of cinema, um, particularly Japanese cinema. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I had just binged on every single Akira Kurosawa samurai movie mm. before watching this, and that was just total coincidence because this film is a love letter to the films of Akira Kurosawa. Mm. And um, they're, they're <laughs> so the, the basic premise is a film about a um, um, a famous. Japanese actress called Chiyoko, who started her career as a teenager during World War II, mm-hmm. and she was basically picked up for propaganda purposes, and her career developed afterwards after the bombing. Um, and before the during the events of World War II, she falls in love with a mysterious um, man on the run from the Japanese authorities. Um, um, and her, it, the film is her jo- journey, both through the film she made and um which kind of the, the films the films portrayed within the film bleed into her own reality and you're never quite sure what you're watching if you're watching watching the films within the films mm-hmm. or the films within the films are telling you the story of her personal experience okay and it's such an interesting idea the best thing about this film is that it's it's framed through two documentarians who have who have found the secluded Shoko in her, I believe in her 80s, she's disappeared from public life for 30, 40 years. Mm. And they're the first per- people she's allowed to interview. And it, the film becomes their documentary in these films. Um, it's it's incredibly... Yeah, the only word I can use to describe it is meta. Um, but it's, it's it's an absolute joy because you you're watching one scene that like, oh, that's, that's um, Throne of Blood. Um, or that's like Hidden Fortress. So then, then it goes into other genres. Like there's there's a scene which is clearly meant to be Godzilla, the original 1954 version. And mm-hmm. and j- just as 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 a fan of film, especially Japanese cinema, it's, it's you can tell there's so much love for these films within Millennium Actress. 
but the best thing about this film is that that's that's all kind of an incidental sideshow. The core story of of Chirico, um finding herself in this pretty awful industry and and experiencing the worst aspects of the war from a Japanese point of view, especially post um, forty five, and um, trying to like find this love of her life is so so beautiful, so compelling, and so. It just, it, I don't want to give any. I don't want to give any more away than I've already said because I, I went into the film blind, not knowing any of this, and you really do go on an epic emotional journey with this character. Um, I watched it last week. I, the first time I'd watched it was about a month and a half ago. I don't normally watch a film a second time that quickly. I normally give it a year or two. Mm. I could gladly watch this film again today. Um, and watching the 4K release that Anime Limited have released, it's gorgeous. Some of the, some of the animation is fantastic. And there's, there's a scene, one of the, her films is a sci-fi. Mm. And there's a scene where the, a, a spaceship is about to be launched out of the moon. And watching it in 4K, just seeing this crisp, detailed background, which has been hand-illustrated, it's, just, it's mind-blowing that, that someone actually just sat there and drew this by hand. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, with especially, and I've noticed this with 4K, releases of especially some of the hand-drawn animation stuff from disney like aladdin looks incredible yeah i mean i've just i've literally i was in h&b the other day um and i've noticed that a lot of the renaissance films are now available in 4k if you can see that i've got aladdin beauty and the beast mulan um and little mermaid i just i'm missing lion king i've got lion king can i have it no (laughs) it's my lion king i'll trade you lion king for my Australian DVD copy of Mulan, which I don't no, no longer need. No. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, it's if you love if you love Japanese cinema, you'll love this film because of the way it portrays the films within the film. Um, if you're a fan of anime, this is certainly I would put this in the top ten of any. Like this is an essential watch. It's up there with you know, your name, Ghost in the Shell, Akira. Uh, Ninja Scroll. This this is part of the conversation. Certainly, I would, I would probably still throw in Paprika and well, Perfect Blue is, to, the, to the, that list as well. To well, be this honest. is the thing that's happened with me. So every time I watch a Satoshi Kon movie, um, it becomes my favourite Satoshi Kon movie. Mm. So the first one I watched was Tokyo Godfathers. I fell in love with that film. I mean, it's it's a very twisted version of um, um, of the um. Uh, the Christ narrative hmm. uh, about, <laughs> about um, basically three homeless people um, who make incredibly strange bedfellows. Um, there's a runaway teenager, uh, a, a middle-aged man who's abandoned his family and a um, trans woman find a baby in the middle of Christmas, <laughs> in the middle hmm. of night, winter. And they become, they become the sort of like, almost the, the free wise kings or hmm. like in a, in a way that kind of, um, that kind of archetype and trying to raise this child in this horrendous situation. <laughs> it's very, it, it's quite sad, but it's also very funny and very touching. I watched it and I thought, this is one of the best movies I've ever watched in my life. I love it. Then I watched Paprika and I was going, this is even better. <laughs> I was like, I, I remember watching Paprika as part of the anime or Nighter in Sci Fi oh, London cool, years cool. ago and they had a proper 35mm print for it. Oh, that must have been amazing. Yes. Especially because of the parade scenes. Uh, Paprika is clearly the, the major influence on Inception. It's about 
fighting in dreams, mm. uh, reading dreams, and, and the way the I, dreams bleed into reality. I think it was one of the only films as well. I remember watching an all-nighter that actually got a round of applause. Oh, wow. Once it finished. The the music in particular, because... Um, um, uh, Stashi Khan also he collaborated with Suzumu Hirasawa. Um, oh, the, yeah, the, the music. I, I believe I believe the parade song was the first mainstream piece of music to employ Vocaloids. It's like, we need to stop before we'll have to start paying like royalties to uh, Hirasawa. Uh, um, so, uh, Suzumu Hirasawa. Um, but um, yeah, can I just take a point out? I think I'm doing all right with the Japanese pronunciations because I'm, I'm doing. Ter- I'm normally terrible for anything that's not Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, um, so I loved I loved Paprika, and then I watched Perfect Blue, mm. and I, again I was just totally blown away. And that was his debut feature, I believe. And it, it's it's a very dark movie. It's a psychological drama yeah, about, it's about the, obsession, it, about obse- being obsessed with celebrities. And it's very strange. The film came out in the early nineties because it feels more relevant today. Mm. Like it, the film was, it feels like it was written for the Twitter generation. I might be wrong in this, but I think even I think Madonna incorporated some of some of the film into like one of her tours. I have no idea. I have no idea, but it might might, might very well be true mm. um, because obviously the film revolves around sort of J-pop well, stars. Well, and- well, Darren Aronofsky wanted to do a live action version for years yeah. and then Black Swan came along and it's like I could finally do this I can kind of merge them together yep so <laughs> I wouldn't say Black Swan is a, Black Swan isn't a straight up adaptation but it's clearly there are influences there similar to Inception yeah um, Black Swan is another great movie I thoroughly recommend actually but even though Perfect Blue is better um, and um, again Perfect Blue is actually I would say that's in the top 10 anime as well along with Milena Mattress now I watched the Milena Mattress after this and again, I, went, I think this film is just marginally better than Perfect Blue. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's his masterpiece, his magnum opus. Um, because it's just, it's rare to watch a film that's so joyful without feeling overly sentimental and sappy and, mm. you know, those terrible mid, like, it, Channel 5 Walmart uh, movie, Walmart I can Im- movies. I can imagine uh, a story about, uh, like, a, a former actress or a, a sort of, like, a retired actress. I can imagine, uh, and there, there are films that do that storyline quite well. Sunset mm. Boulevard is one in particular, obviously. Mm. Oh, it, <laughs> Tad darker than it's this. It's <laughs> extremely darker. Ends in murder, all that sort of stuff. No, it begins in murder. <laughs> oh, okay, begins in murder, all that sort of stuff. Um, but obviously, if it was like, if it's standard pulpy, it will be, you'll have like tear-jerking moments and you'll have you'll have a kind of like the, oh, we must we must make the best of everything that we can do. And all that sort of stuff. I, it's no, like, this, this film is far more sophisticated yeah. than that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not cu- it's not copy and paste. No, it, it doesn't manipulate you into feeling, um, to ha- you know, um, having the feels for this particular movie. The, this film earns the emotion that it mm. takes out of its audience. And um, yeah, it is heartbreaking and at the same time, just a, a absolute joy. Like a real celebration of um, of of life, and um, I I can't praise it enough. And the fact that it's an anime as well, the the animation itself is is beautiful. I really liked like the way Satoshi Kon animated humans because it looks like anime, mm. but not the same as it's. It doesn't look like Bleach. 
It doesn't look like <laughs> Death Note. It doesn't look like the sort of Shonen affair, you know. Mm. And it doesn't. It's similar to like you know, Ghibli, Ghibli have their own kind of their yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. Ghibli, Ghibli have their kind of minimalistic. I said yeah, style. Sort of more, more detailed proportion. It's de- yeah. yeah, detailed and, and it's like I think environmentally it's incredibly detailed and and fantastical. But when it's come to like human human characters and even characters themselves, like even fantasy characters, it's very it's very minimal. Yeah. Oh, in so a good way, yeah, in a good yeah. way, not in a sort of out there. No, 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 it's, it's very much, it's, it's Miyazaki's style, yeah. so to speak. But yeah. and, and Con definitely had that as well. You can, it, I, I watched, um, his. he did a TV series in the um, early noughties called Paranoia Agent. Yeah, I see and it on your shelf behind yes, you, the new Blu-ray. Yeah, the new Blu-ray's just come out, which is great. I send all my packages to my mum's house because she has a proper letterbox. <laughs> and occasionally I get a call from my mum, just like, hey, Christian, I've made, first of all, this is a true conversation I had this week. Uh, firstly, I made too much spaghetti and meatballs, so would you like some? Yes. Yes. And um, your package is here. And like, what the hell did I order? Open it up. Oh, <laughs> it's like, I remember pre-ordering that. <laughs> um, Paranoia Agent is, again, another recommendation that's just been released uh, from MVM. Mm. Um, a lot darker. That is 18 certificate. The same with Perfect Blue. It's mm. very violent, um, psychological drama with element of fantasy. And but um, yeah, from all those, those are the kind of including Paranoia Agent. Those are his Satoshi Kon sort of five big works before his tragic passing 11 years ago. Um, yeah, I was just checking. He was only 46. I believe he was in the middle of a production of another theme, film, which is. Uh, being someone's trying to finish it finish it yeah I, I have to read into that but that's that's what i've heard mm. um which would be nice to see um as long as it, we don't get a terrible weird kubrickian spielberg mess that is ai mm. <laughs> it's is- like i looked at the napkin it said ai i went okay i'll do it my way no <laughs> I'm going to make a film in the style of Stanley Kubrick to pay homage to my late friend Stanley Kubrick. Oh, you're going to film it like you're Stanley Kubrick? No. No, I'm going to film it like it's <laughs> that, a Spielberg it, film. Great. That's not going to be jarring at all. The coldest and warmest filmmakers in Hollywood. Like, you get something... Do you know what you get when you put hot and cold together? Tepid. Tepid. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Uh, um, uh, so, yeah, so Millennium Actress is available on... Yep, five stars. Yep, five stars from Christian. <laughs> it is available now on uh, Blu-ray and 4K. 4K. And if you are listening to the episode on bunkzilla.co.uk, uh, we will also have links there for you to go and buy it if you're interested. So there we go. So that's the recommendation. Time before we say goodbye. Obviously, there's time for the patron shout-outs. And a big thank you, as always, to our Golden Monster supporters, Harriet, aka Manga Girl, and Loco is great. Thank you for your ongoing support of Bunks in the UK and the content that we produce and stream on a regular basis. Um, and don't forget, you can always sign up and support Bunks at Patreon by going to patreon.com slash UK. You get really cool perks like shout-outs in episodes like this. You can even get episodes of Film Raw early ahead of general release so so when we when we come back again i think we're going to be talking about army of the dead very very soon yes yes it's like you will have our episode up before general release and you can you can say you can say to your fellow bungazilla fan who's not on the patreon go hey 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 guess what what i know what star rating they gave army of the dead (gasps) tell me no (laughs) and i will look down and say no. <laughs> so um, for more information on the patron uh, tiers and benefits, go to patreon.com slash UK. You can support us for as low as three pounds today. And uh, yes, as always as well, 
If you would like to experience more content from Bungs of the UK, we stream regularly on Twitch on a weekly basis, Monday, Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Go to twitch.tv slash Bungs of the UK. And of course, explore an even bigger world of monstrous culture with great shows like Real History, Binges and Box Sets, The Big Stomp, all that by visiting our website, at bunkerzilla.co.uk. So that is going to wrap it up here on this episode of Film World. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'd love to see you here again soon. Uh, I've been Ian Bolton, joined by Christian R. Allen. Christian Roar Allen. Yes, there and we, we will see you, as they say in Nomadland, down the road. Adios.